0: Welcome to episode three of The Passion Project, a podcast from the University of Michigan. In the following stories, we examine four ways that passion flourishes in the community. My name is Jenna Post. In the first piece, I examine what motivates and informs the unprecedented support millennials have for the Bernie Sanders presidential campaign. University of Michigan senior Annie Mihilly, a member of Students for Sanders, offers her answer to the question. How does the Vermont senator inspire such passion in a group of people who are young enough to be his grandchildren? This is the sound of 9,000 passionate supporters attending a political rally.
1: The candidate
0: is Bernie Sanders the presidential hopeful who has derived much of his support from younger voters, a group not typically involved in politics.
2: My name is Annie, and um, I served as vice president for Students for Sanders um, uh, last semester.
0: So so why are you, as a young college student, so passionate about a 74-year-old senator (laughs) from Brooklyn?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think that he... Just aligns with my views on all of the issues, and I think if there's anybody that's gonna fight for the little guy, um, you know, fight really important things like the big money in politics, fight for climate change, you know, fight for more um, social justice in terms of like racial inequalities and and for women, I I think he's the person to do it. I think like his record demonstrates it, and really his passion and his big ideas show that I think he could do it.
3: Determine the future of America, you will be
2: involved. So originally I supported Hillary before I even knew Bernie Sanders was in the race. Um, And you know, I really liked her ideas and everything. And then I heard that Bernie Sanders was running and I had no idea who he was, you know, but then I went online and I looked up his record and all of his speeches and what he really believed in. And at that moment, I knew that I couldn't just not do anything.
0: Some might ask, What role do students have in political campaigns?
2: Yeah, I think we have a huge role. I think we have a really, really important role. It's sort of like the um, bystander effect, right? Like, if you assume everyone else is going to do the work, nobody does it. (laughs) And then um, you're, you know, sat at the end of the finish line wondering, like, why your candidate didn't win.
3: When we become politically engaged and stand together there is nothing that we cannot accomplish.
2: If, if you look at you know him, he really does believe in these things. And, and he's not putting on this facade. Because I think people of our generation can see straight through politicians. You know, we, we have access to be able to figure out what they actually have done, what they actually believe. And Bernie, you know, what you see is what you get. Now,
0: when people say, Bernie, why is your campaign Moving so quickly. Why do you have so much energy? I think the answer is we are treating the American people
1: with respect and with intelligence.
2: The reason why he's the first real political campaign I've been a part of is because he really has all of my beliefs, you know, like in every way.
4: And I was like, there's no way that I can't be a part of
0: it. Any is one voice in a movement that Sanders himself terms a political revolution.
4: Imagine being surrounded by more than 100,000 people cheering and screaming for you as your team is about to defeat your rival. Now picture all of that changing in the last 10 seconds of the game. Game endings like the 2015 Michigan versus Michigan State game define the uncertainty within football. The matter of whose fault it was that caused this result is not important. Rather how the team holds together or what holds them together is essential. My name is Madeline Faisal and I'm going to go deeper into the community of Michigan football and the family aspect that holds them together. Through thick and through thin.
5: We want the Big Ten championship, and we're going to win it as a team. Objective: to beat Ohio State. We accomplish. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. The
4: the The iconic saying "The team, the team, the team" was coined in 1983 by legendary football coach Bo Schumbeckler. It is a statement each and every team at Michigan holds close to their heart especially Bo Deaver, a senior wide receiver on Michigan's football team.
6: Yeah, so I I got my nickname Bo from uh, actually Bo Schenbeckler. And uh, growing up, Michigan has always had a place in my heart. My dad played football here, 84 to 88. And so that's what kind of, you know, brought me to Ann Arbor. In reality, you spend so much time whether you know it's studying schoolwork studying film lifting running conditioning practice outside of the 3 hours that you see on Saturdays you know it really creates kind of a a bond between everyone you get to know everyone's name where they're from you know just a, what's about them that's kind of a big part of being on a college football team is just kind of like the family atmosphere and the connectivity and uh, when
5: we play as a team when the old season is over, you and I know
6: it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Big part of of sticking together is counting on your brothers and essentially like your family. The 120 guys that are to your left and to your right. Oh, he has trouble
5: with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen.
6: Looking back on it, uh, you know, after the Michigan State loss this year, when the, they won on the last play of the game, you know, a lot of people thought that, you know, the like, oh, this is a turning point for Michigan football. Like, we're gonna lose a bunch more games. And you know, we we all had a we had a team meeting that Sunday after the game, and you know, we're just kind of said like, that's not how it's gonna go down. We stuck together. We worked harder and we didn't want to let that happen.
4: After the heartbreaking loss to Michigan State, Michigan went on to win four games in a row. The team ended their 2015 season with a total of 10 wins and three losses. Michigan also defeated Florida in the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl, ending their season on an even higher note. The 2015 Michigan football season will go down in history as a turning point for this team.
6: Everything that has gone on in the past and through thick and thin, Uh, my brothers and I will always have each other's backs.
1: Marriage, defined by most, is reserved for people. But what about historical buildings? Buildings that won't change in the next 100 years because they haven't changed in the last 100 years. My name is Evan John Genrick, and this is the story about how two historic Ann Arbor co-ops, housing over 50 college students all together, this spring are getting married. The sound of clapping every night. Michigan Cooperative House. Coopers from two historically separate co-ops share a home-cooked meal. What's that like?
7: My name is Olivia Haleva, and I'm the current president of Michigan Cooperative House.
1: I wanted to learn from Olivia about the two-house community.
7: What is that like
1: to eat dinner at Michigan?
7: Having a, um, a dinner where you sit down and you're really talking to the people that are around you is something that's really reminiscent of me being at home with my family.
1: What's it like having members from both Mission Minis
7: I don't really differentiate between the people that live in either house. It's... everyone just feels like the same community. Come together.
1: Seventeen co-ops make up the Intercooperative Council at the University of Michigan. But this spring, 2016, that number will go down by one when Mission Minis join forces. But why now? Why not before? What makes Mission Minis culture now different than any other time?
7: My name is Susan Kaya, and I originally started working for the ICC in 1989.
1: Susan, you could say, is one of the chief historians of the ICC. So I wanted to know from her if she thought merging Mish and Minis made sense.
7: There's one thing that you need to know about the ICC first, and that will explain why there's a Mish Minis. It's going to be a very practical explanation. There are only 13 houses in the ICC currently that are uh, coded for group eating. That's the basis for the Mish Mini relationship. Um, MISH house was there first, and I think the organization had their eye on the house for a long time mm-hmm. because it was a, would be a house right there. You know, they already had a boarding house. You just add more members to that boarding house, basically.
1: So then it seems like combining MISH and MINIS not only makes sense, but it was inevitable. I mean, what's the hesitation?
7: I think I and any of the members that live in either house would agree that it's already combined, essentially. There's no hesitation. I think the merger itself is more of a logistical thing. The two houses are already one community. They're already part of the same being.
1: Evan Genrick, University of Michigan.
7: From the community created by living in a co-op, we now visit a group of Ann Arbor foodies united in their flair for Gourmet fare. Known for their smoked provisions and unique mustards and pickles, the staff at Durham's Tracklements is a gem in the Carytown neighborhood. I'm Alex Nolan, and in this segment, I give you a taste of their passion.
5: I'm T.R. Durham. I'm the owner of Durham's Tracklements in Carytown, where we have just finished our 19th year in Ann Arbor.
3: Hi, I'm Jamie Salm, and I am the maker of Mighty Mustards and Pickles here at Tracklements. Food has been a part of my entire life. My first memories as a child are of food and cooking.
5: It probably started out with a cooking merit badge and Boy Scouts, but um, it's just sort of a passion you kind of grow into or something you don't even think of as a passion, but something that you would hate to be torn away from after a while.
3: And I knew that I wouldn't be making a whole lot of money. I wouldn't be, but that's not what I wanted. I wanted to speak my truth of my heart, of my love, of my passion, and food is there.
5: As far as salmon, I would say that it's been more instructive in the way of how you might develop a passion. I don't think it was something that was discovered deep inside, but it came out of developing an interest in making something better than uh, what anybody else was doing that I was aware of.
3: For me, making food and making food that isn't necessarily done on a a large scale and trying new recipes is so exciting to me. What I love about it is that what I produce here is actually, it's very simple and the recipes are not elaborate. I see it from start to finish. There aren't 20 hands coming in and adjusting my recipe and adjusting what I do. I see the product out from start to finish. And that's what TR really helps thrive
5: Discovering uh, a passion that is sort of a shared passion is being very fortunate uh, in uh, finding employees here, not really employees, or sort of uh, fellow travelers on this particular kind of pathway who love the customers and love the products and love the entire uh, process of making and providing. uh, product that they take a great deal of pride in as well.
3: Food brings about such a different level of honesty and genuine sort of compassion and love out of people that when you talk about food on that a real raw level with people about how they cook at home or what they love to do or what they've experienced going out and in the world and in restaurants and that's what I wanted to help foster and the more I talked with people and was able to experiment on my own it was like I saw how this dry bean once you foster it with some some heat and some water and some love. And that's like talking with people about food and about culture and recipes, how that bean goes from this little dry thing into a cassoulet. And to me, that was, that's been my life.
0: Thank you for listening and tune in next week for episode four of The Passion Project.